All right, everybody, we're talking about episode nine, Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By. And this is the last episode before the break in the season, uh, or is, it is a, like a, there's a cloud hanger on this one. Uh, till till we meet again, till we return to the good place. Uh, opens uh, with a 5 a.m. wake up, and I said, "Are those hazel eyes I'm seeing? Are they blue? Are they green? Let me just look here. They're about to come on. There's the NBC peacock." Uh, there's the eyes. It's a gray, green, gray, blue, like a, a quilt, a man getting out of bed. And I said to myself, uh, what in the name of Better Call or is that Martin Mall? It really did say that. I, it was like, who, which, who is this, Michael McKean or, or, or Martin Mall? And it went back and forth as they showed it. Uh, at first, I was certain... But then there was a couple of shots where I said, no, this could be Martin Mall. Like maybe, uh, and they said, either way, I'm buckled up for a ride. There's an eight track cassette player, a Mama Cass Elliott song plays. It's all part of a morning prep montage. Um, he's reading, uh, Pete Singer, the most good you can do, which is a book, uh, or it's a real book, uh, working on solar panels, Harvesting radishes, washing radishes. Can at first I was like he's canning, but then I, there wasn't any liquid in the cans. So then I said, no, he's more jarring uh, for storage than canning and preserving radishes uh, for donations. Uh, so more of a transport method uh, for the Alberta Food Bank. Then uh, and I guess I thought he was in Calgary. Maybe he's in is Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, right? Uh, I don't know. That'll come up later. Uh, then he's at first I thought he was journaling, uh, but now in the uh, like uh, the uh, context of the episode, I think he's like uh, like accounting for things. So, so maybe a form of uh, like I thought I thought of a word I could trademark. Uh, What's they called? Uh, like, uh, like when you have the book, the accounting book, uh, life, uh, life, not life accounting. That could be a good one, but that sounds a little bit. I mean, that's what he's actually doing. Uh, it's like a journal. I guess life journaling is not the right word. What is it called? Not a register. Life registering. No t- trademark. I thought of it. Uh, what's it called? If it's not a journal, it's a uh, ledger. Life ledgering. That's what he's doing. And I'd like to trademark that for a future book, Life Ledgering. It'll come out in uh, 2028, Ledgering Your Life uh, for Happy, you know, and more, you know, like a, a new form of uh, life, life ledger. Get yourself a life ledger. Uh, but so he's doing that. And there's a knock at the door and they say, hello. And it's a reveal of Doug Forsett. Uh, Michael's totally starstruck, which is super cute. Uh, and he says, we're here with the Calgary Times uh, something. They have press patch, pass badges. Uh, uh, Calgary Times something. Journal, maybe? I put examiner, but I don't think it, it fits on the press pass badge. Uh, maybe it does. Uh, or Express, Calgary Times Express. Uh, Calgary Express. Maybe there's a joke in there I missed. Uh, and they, so they have press pass badges. Uh, Michael says, I'm Michael Scoop. This is Janet Scoop. Uh, we're the Scoop. This is my, she's my sister. We're the Scoops. And then there's a millisecond joke reaction from Janet, which is gold. So don't miss it on your second or third rewatch. She says, oh, boy. Uh, then they talk about, we're doing a human interest story on you, Doug. We heard about how you live off the grid. I just noticed the first, the first time Doug has a, a lamp with a, like a hand-painted lampshade, kind of watercolor painting lampshade, which is interesting. Uh, and he says, well, is your paper printed on recycled paper? They say, yeah. He says, all right then. Uh, and then there was this moment that kind of stuck out to me, both for its cuteness, but also as like, a, um, what is this scene going to pay off later in the show? Uh, not the episode, but Janet takes his photo and Michael's trying to get it just like the portrait of Doug, young Doug, Doug Forsett. You know, my life is young Doug Forsett. My portrait of a young Doug Forsett. Uh, 
And I just, it was just a moment that stuck out to me. And I just like how cute Michael wants to get it the same uh, as the portrait. Like, look there, you know, do this with your face. Uh, then they're having a fireside chat. Uh, they say, he says, here's 1972. Randy and I had a mushroom salad and uh, I saw it with perfect clarity how to live the perfect life. Uh, now, behind him, I think he's in a um, rocking chair. There's an Afghan. And it has, uh, like, it's square, it has yellow, lime green, dark green, light brown, uh, square, squarish designs with with the yellow frills on the ends, uh, or whatever, ta- I guess, those, are those tassels? I don't know. And he talks about how he learned to maximize his point totals. Uh, Michael says, that makes perfect sense. Uh, then he says, oh, geez, you've been here, like, for 10 minutes, I haven't offered you water or radishes, uh. Would you like something? They say water. So he leaves and Michael's still starstruck. And he says, how cool is he? He goes, stars, they really are just like us. Uh, And Janet says, Jesus, he's lucky he didn't have the vision Randy had about a world of ears. Uh, And Michael says, he really is the blueprint. Uh, Then he brings glasses of water. Another character revealing moment. Uh, His glasses are mismatched. Which is kind of cool because he has these, like, you know, he gets his glasses at the thrift shop or whatever. He also has an old school aluminum ice tray. One of the glasses is smooth glass with wheat painted on it. Um, and then the other glass is, uh, like, uh, has a design to it uh, or a texture to it, like ice cubes almost, which would seem good to hold and, and drink out of. He also says, I brought ice cubes and cozy. You know, you have your water wherever you want. Then there's a nice, funny twist on the water. Uh, then we go to the Puking Moose Saloon, which has some nice uh, signs, uh, signage, and uh, wallpaper and stuff. And uh, Cheaty has this f- f- funny moment because he's on uh, Cheaty. He says, She's, uh, you know, saving sco- souls is great, uh, and saving skull. Saving skull, skull, souls is great, but. Uh, it's time to relax and kick back. Uh, I need to re-render my chorf. And they say, what did you say? He said, I don't know, but I'm tired. I got jet lag. Uh, uh, Jason's also very likable and amusing. He says, hey, Jesus, there's a pool table. You want to play some pool? Uh, then Eleanor watches him go to the pool table. She's kind of staring and smiling. And she says, uh, Tahani, can I ask your advice? Uh, and not to go off topic, but Tony says, hey, are you talking, do you want to ask my advice about your grading speaking voice? And I think that's funny because I get that email every day, like literally every day, uh, sometimes more than once a day or on iTunes or something uh, where somebody talks about my voice. Uh, it's always amusing to me because they, the, they kind of uh, are in the belief that they're the first person or they've captured some way to talk about my voice in a not so nice way that, that ever. And I'm always like, you know, I've heard that one 1,000 times. Uh, yeah, and then I click uh, recycle. But it's just, it's just weird to uh, say, well, why don't you just not listen uh, if my voice is so grating? But Tahani's solution is elocution lessons. Uh, and Eleanor says, what? No, no, I was ta- wanted to talk about Chidi. And then she says, oh, yeah, tell me about Chidi. Really funny, funny exchange. Uh, then our Janet's doubts start to creep in about uh, uh, Doug. So she kind of is like kind of doing the truth telling or representing the audience too. She says, doesn't he seem lonely? Or they say that to him and he says, well, I'm friends with snails. Uh, here's one of my friends right here. He also says, you know, I don't want to be mean to radishes. That's why I only eat radishes. Lentils have the smallest impact. Uh, then we go back to the bar, and they're going to play No Rules Pool, which is called Jacksonville-style pool. And if you want to pronounce it correctly, you say all the syllables really fast. But you got to hit all the syllables to say it like Jason, yeah, which kind of means you make up your own rules and points. Uh, so Chidi says, why not? He scores $5 million. It did make me want to put this out to like people that are smarter than me. Uh, or like think about this stuff more like what would be how would this game work does everyone have to be honest to, to play it or just uh, joyfully immersed in the game i mean that kind of seems like jason's perspective and then chidi also kind of get ends up getting immersed in the joy of the game briefly 
Uh, does it have to be a non-competitive thing? How does a game work where you choose your own score? Uh, can it ever operate in a fair way? Uh, or what kind of personalities would it take for it to just be fun? I guess you'd say, are you, do you have the ability to have fun? I would say, hmm, probably a better off watching as a third party, watching the TV show version of it, uh, where someone, Jason say, that sounds uh, super fun. And Chidi might say, well, I may be able to find a way to have fun with this. Uh, let me see. Uh, I don't know. There's, you could probably do an hour about that. Uh, uh, and Tahani, I said awkward on giving advice, but, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just a looks or maybe it's a questions. Uh, but then she says, don't you want to know how Chidi feels? Because Eleanor's kind of talking about uh, her trips uh, to the reboots. And she kind of says in the end, isn't it important to tell someone how you feel? Uh, then we hop back to Doug and his, he, he's care, a caretaker of 71 dogs and dog friends uh, that he's discovered. He uh, does Raymond's laundry. Raymond arrives, uh, loses Doug's shoe. And I guess this is where the cracks form and Janice starts to see them first because he says, uh, my job's just to make people like Raymond happy. That's how the system works. He does say remember with a big question mark, which I said does... Uh, is that another hint, or is that just a referral to the earlier in the episode? And somebody says, oh, then there's a commercial. And Janet says to Michael, like, Michael, you got to face facts. Uh, I don't know about this guy. He just eats radishes and lentils. He's a happiness pump. And he says, a happiness pump? She says it was one of uh, Chidi's lessons. I think it's a counter-argument to determinism, uh, and uh, she says, he, Doug just does things. You can't just do stuff to make people happy at your own expense. Uh, it, it's not sustainable. And it may not be ethical. I think that may be like the broader question. Uh, like, uh, what's your d deeper motivation? Uh, which is kind of makes me identify with Doug in a different way. Because sometimes I do think about what, what you know, like uh, when you make a lot of decisions, uh, uh, based on A N E X I, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, but then they say, okay, we got. I think we got everything we need, Doug. We're gonna head out. Uh, he says, thanks, Mark. And then he goes, oh no, your name's Michael. I'm gonna lose points. And then he says, let me give you a haircut. Then he bumps into a snail. He says, does anyone know any snail first uh, helping? Anybody got any tape? Uh, then we go back to Jacksonville style pool. And Cheetah's really having fun. He scores thirty million, blows Jason's mind. Uh, but then it's time for Eleanor and Cheetah to talk. So they go to a booth, uh, and Eleanor starts to tell him, and she goes, "You and I are like uh, we're like a bo and then she goes, "Bomba John," because Bomba John walks in. But Cheetah goes, "Yeah, yeah, we are kind of like a little Bomba John, huh?" And she goes, "No doof." Uh, then Vicky and the other, she goes, "These are." Uh, Beings from the good place and that isn't so good. Uh, then uh, Tahani says, she tells Tahani and uh, Jason, who Tahani says, just because people wear stonewashed denim. Uh, then Jason goes into action mode. Uh, Jason action season hello, I'm sean oh so then some action happens and sean says hello i'm sean where's michael uh then we go to uh like a, a memorial uh, and we see some memorials from uh rosa parks uh, the deer of uh, uh, being who wrote a deer 2007 uh franklin delanor raccoon 2007 uh martin oh no no abraham lincoln einstein uh, Mandela Goose, uh, 2015. Martin Luther, Gandhi, Tyler Moore. Little, you know, that was funny. Uh, uh, 20, whatever, this year, 2018, maybe. Uh, uh, snail. And um, Doug's making a speech about the snail. He's even using inclusive pronouns. Uh, then he, uh, there's eight total memorials. So I wondered who else was being memorialized. Uh, Life, love, and the limits of scotch tape. Uh, he says, happy, slimy trails. Uh, and he says he's going to walk to Edmonton. And uh, 
Uh, Michael says, can I ask you a few more questions or maybe I could give you some advice? Uh, and he says, I've been a re- reporter for a long time on this crazy blue marble, met a lot of regular folks and I've never seen someone dedicated to making other people happy. And Michael says, dude, you got to loosen up, bud. Have an ice cream or uh, a chicken parm. Uh, drink some regular water. Uh, Michael's like a little bit kindly exasperated. And he says, you got to relax. And Doug says, no, no, man, I can't risk it. Uh, everything I do is being measured. I'm going to go to a snail charity. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we cut back to the bar. Uh, the hot mailman dude is behind the bar. He looks a bit like that guy uh, in Green Bay, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 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 then Sean's making a speech about how much he loves seeing the looks on people's faces. Best part of my job. And Eleanor makes a speech as they zoom in on her about how they're outmatched by Michael. Yeah, it's a total bust. And then Michael rolls in. They says, hello, Michael. And they cut to a commercial. Then Michael says, hello, Sean. Other buds uh, from uh, other worlds. Uh, and they're trying to decide what to do because they're going to say, we're going to put you through the portal. You know, uh, we have our own portal uh, to the bad place. Uh, then Janet, a really fun scene, great way to... Uh, uh, to, to take a break on, like there's this full, uh, choreographed, uh, full on action Janet scene. Uh, I wonder if there's any Janet Jackson, uh, but it's more of a action movie Janet scene. Tahani shows up for 12 years of fencing. Jason and Janet have a small moment, uh, Real, I mean, it made my heart palpitate. Uh, she says, thanks, Jason. Uh, let's see. How did you know? Oh, because uh, Chidi and Eleanor are behind the bar. So then Eleanor spills the beans, you know, and she says, she spills it like, yeah, like we're a thing, like uh, a thing thing in love, she says. And I think I'm in love with you again here now in Canada in this bar or whatever. Uh, Janet goes into the door. She gets her powers back. Uh, then they, they say, you know, the day is saved. We did it. And they say, no, no, Janet did it. Thank you, Janet. Uh, then they talk to Sean. He says, we build our own door. Michael says, why can't you leave us alone? Or somebody says that. He goes, I want your nostrils. I love them. And he says, I just have a hunch. Uh, it's not going to work out for you, for anybody, not even Doug Forsett, uh, and I just wanted you to know that. And Michael sends him out, uh, and he says, uh, don't you want to know? He goes, no, why do you let that guy keep saying mean stuff? Uh, and then Michael's kind of stuck. He says, geez, I thought Doug was the blueprint. Uh, maybe the system is all really is not correct. And he says, we got to figure out some evidence, go to the source, uh, to the accountant. And he says, you guys stay at Doug for sets, take care of his puppies in his laundry. And, but then all of the other people like uh, Glenn and everybody else come back, uh, into the bar, uh, from the not so great place. And Janet says, what's well, this was really hard to end the season. Cause I said, I want to see what Janet's void is like, but she goes, why don't we all go into my void? Uh, and she goes, but say goodbye to earth. Uh, cause when you go into my void, you'll be voided. Uh, and they say goodbye earth. Uh, and then it cuts, uh, and that was the end of the episode. Really, really good. Uh, I mean, really, really fun. If this is like, a, I don't know how long the break's going to be, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Uh, probably be if, if maybe six weeks, actually, because it's November. Probably start off a couple weeks into January, maybe. Uh, uh, but a great way, great uh, great fun. I mean, without a doubt. Uh but yeah, let's go over some of the stuff that came up in the episode here. I'm just waiting for Evernote to fire up. Uh, here I am. I mean, I like, uh, I don't know. The episodes just have different kind of notes to them. I didn't look at who wrote each episode. Uh, and I'm sorry about that, but I felt like this episode was like, uh, you know, they always have the nice balance of emotion, comedy. And uh, yeah, but let's talk about eye color because that was the first thing that came up. Uh, which is a polygenic uh, phenotypic character. 
determined by two distinct factors, the pigmentation of the eye's iris and the frequency dependence of scattering of light by the turbid medium in the strom of the iris, um, which is cool. I want to look up what hazel is, though. Uh, classification of color, structural color. Green irises, for example, have some blue and some yellow. Uh, brown are mostly brown, but some have a limbal ring. I think I, there was a musical with a song, uh, Come Into the Limbal Ring, I think. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to, where's the changes in eye color? Uh, let's see. There's even a Martin scale on eye color, maybe. Uh, here's the ones they have listed. Amber, blue. Uh, a lot about blue eyes. Uh, uh, brown, gray, green. And then hazel. And what does hazel even mean? At first I thought my eyes were hazel, uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's due to a combination of Rayleigh scattering and moderate amount of melanin in the iris's anterior border layer, according to Wikipedia. Uh, hazel eyes often appear to shift in color from brown to green. Although hazel mostly consists of brown and green, the dominant color can be brown, gold, or green. Uh, this is how many people mistake hazel eye colors. I guess I'm looking at this one hazel. I think that might be David Copperfield's eyes. Uh, or da- who's the ma- magician? Is that David Copperfield? Uh, and uh, the definitions can vary. So uh, then there's also red and violet eyes. And of course, we say, no, Scoots. And I'd say, I agree with you. This uh, Eye colors come in a spectrum. Uh, but yeah, that's what happens when you just gloss, you know gloss over eye color. But again, I'm not even sure. Maybe the eyes were gray in the opening. Yeah, like right now, I'm doing the research portion. Now, how about Michael McKean? I mean, if you want to talk about somebody to look up to, uh, he's someone to do so. He was uh, on Laverne and Shirley. He played Lenny. He was on SNL in the 90s. Uh, he's been in uh, several Christopher Guest films, including uh, Spinal Tap. Is Spinal Tap a Christopher Guest film, or was that a uh, uh, Rob Reiner movie? Or is this Rob Reiner in Spinal Tap? Uh, uh, he like was lead guitarist. He's playing a guitar in uh, his uh, Wikipedia picture. Uh, Lead vocalist and co-lead guitarist uh, in Spinal Tap as uh, Hubbins and in uh, Mighty Wind. Uh, he won a Grammy for a Kiss at the End of the Rainbow uh, and was also nominated for Best Song uh, Academy Award. Plays Chuck McGill on Better Call. And, I mean, that's like a holy mackerel. Uh, He's from uh, Long Island, Seacliff, uh, uh, so shout out to the strong. Yeah, it was a student at uh, Carnegie Mellon. Uh, that's where, uh, is that where he met, uh, oh, he met Harry Shearer? Oh, no, after graduation. Uh, uh, yeah, he was one member of Lenny and Squiggy. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he was in He's in a movie with Kiefer Sutherland and Dennis Hopper. Uh other shows, uh, yeah, like a really like a wide, wide, widespread career. Uh, you could go on and on, but, but just someone that, uh, I don't, I don't know. I always like it. Uh, he won a celebrity jeopardy against Jane Curtin and Cheech Marin in 2010. I would love to see that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, uh, you, you can, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with him. He was in planes, trains, and automobiles, too. Holy cow. Uh, But it was him and not Martin Mall. And you might say to yourself, who's Martin Mall? And, you know, we've got a a very diverse audience. And I wanted to give everybody a chance to be exposed to Martin Mall. Uh, Let's see. He was on uh, uh, Hartman and then Fernwood Tonight. Mary Hartman in the Mary Hartman spinoff uh, Fernwood Tonight. Uh, Colonel Mustard in the movie Clue. Uh, he was on the TV, like uh, TV shows uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, Roseanne, uh, Danny Phantom, uh, Arrested Development. He's also like someone that plays the guitar in his picture. Uh, 
Let's see. He was in Taxi, Golden Girls even. Holy mackerel. Yeah, I recently saw him in Mr. Mom, uh, which I rewatched a couple months ago. Uh, what else? Uh, he was a guest star in Hollywood Squares. Uh, you see, in the final season, 2003 and 2004. Uh, let's see, Gene Parmesan and that. Uh, he's also been in other sitcoms. Uh, he plays music. I think he does art, too. Yeah, he's also known uh, for, for art, uh, like pop art, collage, photorealist paintings. Uh, one of his books was on the cover of uh, My Sister, My Love from uh, Joyce Carol Oates. Uh, and a cover of uh, uh, Steve Martin, Edie Brickell album, Love Has Come For You. And, uh, yeah, I mean, another, just a person that... that uh, Really varied, varied career, but also very funny uh, and grounded. They, they, I guess that's why I almost like, uh, well, they're different. They're both in a lot of mockumentaries, and they both have this kind of grounded, uh, dry, uh, humanistic uh, humor, I would say. Maybe, I mean, maybe not. Maybe you don't agree with me, but that's cool. But So we'll talk about A-Track Tapes. Uh, now these were getting phased out by the time I came around, but I'd still you'd still see them occasionally. Like on a one of my cousins had it in his car, eight uh, uh, track t- tape, formerly known as Stereo Eight, uh, commonly known as eight track cartridge, uh, was a magnetic t- tape recording technology uh, before cassettes, uh, and even alongside cassettes for a time. It's considered obsolete and was relatively known outside of the United States, UK, King, UK, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, and Japan. Uh, listen to this history, though. This is where it gets interesting. Stereo 8 was created by a consortium uh, led by Bill Lear of Learjet, uh, Ampex, Ford Motor Corporation, General Motors, RCA, uh, and it was a further development of a stereo pack four-track cartridge uh, uh, later, quadraphonic sound and quad eights. Uh, it came after reel to reel, which was too expensive or practical uh, for home use. Uh, and they developed these tape cartridges, endless loop tape cartridges designed in 1952. And uh, Bill Lear got in on this at some point, uh, and they kept doing it. Then the stereo eight Learjet stereo eight track cartridge. Uh, it came out in uh, 1963. It had neoprene, rubber, and nylon pinch roller and a cartridge. Uh, you know, just just some improvements. It was a commercial success because uh, uh, of the booming auto industry. In 1965, Ford put it in their cars. Uh, factory installed. Uh, let's see, an option in uh, the Mustang, Thunderbird, and Lincoln. RCA introduced 175 car- cartridges uh, from some of its labels. Uh, in 1967, Ford's vehicles, uh, all of them offered this as an upgrade option. Uh, so you've probably seen it in other movies, uh, like in a combo with a radio. Uh, some offered uh, combo 4, 8, and 12-track players. Uh, for, even though it had problems, it wasn't totally banned, you know, like a company it was uh, steadily more and more popular. Home players in 66, uh, they didn't, they missed out on the boom box boom, I think, uh, but they did have those uh, uh, Tandy Corporation. Oh, no, no, a few manufacturers offered them, uh, but Tandy Radio Shack did. Uh, for a short time, they were considered a viable alternative to record, vinyl records. Uh, especially with car use. Uh, uh, they came in Rolls Royces and Bentleys even, uh, early karaoke machines, uh, quiz game games. Uh, uh, but then the decline started in the 70s when the compact cassette arrived. Uh, and they were phased out of retail stores by 82 and out of Columbia and RCA record clubs in 88. Uh, most rare releases are Stevie Ray Vaughan's Texas Flood, Flood and Bruce Springsteen and East Street Band Live 1975-85. to 85. Uh, So, 
is a bit debate among collectors about the last commercial eight track released by a major label is uh either Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits, uh, that's what it seems like it but released by Radio Shack. Uh, oh no, Radio Shack keep getting putting out blank ones. Uh, but it survived as a professional broadcast card uh, for a decade longer radio stations. Uh, so there's a little bit. There's a lot more if you link into this article from the show notes if you want to know more. Well, let's talk a little more about Mama Cass. Uh, Mama Cass Elliott. Uh, she was uh, known as Mama Cass, a uh, singer and actress, a uh, member of the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, she had five solo albums, and she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Born in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, adopted the name Cass in high school, borrowing it from actress Peggy Cass, uh, according to Wikipedia. Uh, she assumed the surname Elliot sometime later. Uh, she went to the same high school Jim Morrison went to. Let's see. She uh, while in high school, she got interested in acting. She did some acting. And she left school before graduation or after graduation, shortly before, uh, to pursue an acting career. Uh, she was in a touring version of uh, The Music Man. Uh, oh, she left to pursue that, but uh, she lost the part uh, to Barbara Streisand. Uh, she worked as a cloakroom att- attendant at the showplace where she would also kind of sing while working. That was in the vi- Gren- Greenwich Village uh, and she moved to D.C. to attend uh, American University, though some people say Swarthmore, as what she sings about one of her songs. Uh, that's when the folk, sing was kick, folk scene was kicking it. Uh, and, you know, people like John Brown, Tim Rose, Jimi Hendrix, uh, and let's see, Tim Rose, Elliot, and Hendrix uh, timmed up with... Uh, so she was bouncing around these groups, Love and Spoonful, New Journeymen, new people, all in these different bands. A uh, popular legend about Ellie is that her vocal range was improved uh, by three notes when she uh, uh, walked through something, uh, and it was confirmed in an interview with Rolling Stone. Uh, however, they said that was story was an explanation, a different explanation. Uh, uh, then they became the Mamas and the Papas, uh, the New Journeymen. Uh, they came up with that name. Then a solo career, uh, Dream a Little Dream of Me, uh, was released on Dunhill Records. Uh, somebody bugged her for taking bed linens, uh, and she said, I liked them, so I took them. Uh, let's see, then... Uh, you know, very beloved. Uh, she had a Mama Cast television show, Don't Call Me Mom. Also, another show called Don't Call Me Mom anymore. Uh, she was guest on a ton of shows and uh, beautiful, beautiful voice, uh, beautiful, beautiful presence. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot more in here about uh, about uh, Mama Cast Elliot. Also, a beautiful song to open the episode. Another thing at the top of the episode was this book that. Uh, Doug Forsett was reading by Pete Singer, The Most Good You Can Do, How Effective Altruism is Changing Ideas About Living Ethically. And this is a real book. Uh, It's from the Yale uh, University Press. You can link to it. Uh, You could even get an exam copy if you need it. Uh, And this is what it says on yalebooks.yale.edu. Uh, from the ethicist, the New Yorker calls the most influential living philosopher a new way about thinking and living ethically. It says Pete Singer's books have been, uh, you know, trying to upset our complacency. And now he's directing our attention to uh, effective altruism built on the simple but profound idea that living a fully ethical life means doing the most good you can do. That's so interesting uh, from this episode. It uh, requires an unsentimental view of charitable giving, uh, how good is the organization you're going to be giving to? Uh, will they do the most with your money or will somebody else? Uh, it shows how living altruistically often leads to greater personal fulfillment than living for oneself. Uh, it develops the challenges uh, singers made uh, to those who donate to the hearts uh, 
into charities uh, focused on helping citizens rather than for those who can do the most good. Uh, wait a second, Pete. Hold on. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's worth it. Uh, check it out. Uh, he divides his time, ironically enough, between New York City and Melbourne, Australia. Uh, so, like, uh, I don't know. Was that where they were? Were they in Melbourne? What about the radish? I know radishes has come, have come up on this show before. Uh, let them eat radishes, I think I once said. Uh, it's a root vegetable uh, grown throughout, consumed throughout the world. Uh, mostly eaten as raw as a crunchy salad vegetable. Uh, new, numerous in uh, varieties, uh, size, flavor, color, and length of time to maturity. They have the sharp flavor due to different compounds in the plant. Uh, they're sometimes grown as companion plants because they don't have to deal. They they grow. They're hardy, I guess. Uh, they uh, like uh, they can be ready in, within a month. Uh, where larger uh, varieties can take several months. Uh, can also be a catch or cover crop in the winter or a forage crop. Um, there's no archaeological records to help determine the early history of radishes. Uh, they've been around for a very, very long time. Uh, good cool season co- crop, as we said. Uh, and I love them. Whenever I Sometimes I miss them, you know, because kids don't like them as much. But, uh, I mean, really a tasty little plant, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, what about elocution? Uh, you know who could use that? It's a, it's a study of formal speaking, pronunciation, grammar, style, and tone. In Western cl- classical rhetoric, elocution was one of the five disciplines of pronunciation, which was the art of delivering speeches. Orators were trained not only in proper diction, but on the uses of gestures, stance, and dress. Uh, uh, elocution emerged as a formal discipline in the 18th century. Thomas Sheridan uh, lectures on elocution in 1762-1775. John Walker, Elements of Elocution. That was one of my favorite. I I think someone redid that. I don't know if that was Wu-Tang or something. Elements of Elocution. That was a good one. Uh, But uh, then the publication of other works. uh, um, Let's see. In her recent book, The Elocutionist, Women, Music, and the Spoken Word, Marion Wilson Kimber addresses the oft-forgotten female-dominated genre of elocution set to musical accompaniment. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. And you could read a lot more about it. Uh, but obviously, uh, I need to relocate from elocating. Uh, and I move on to lentils. Uh, which are a legume, edible. You know, lentils go through seasonal hype, you know. I mean, every couple of years, uh, people are up or down on them. I know a lentil-based woman named Diangatha. It's a lens-shaped seed, uh, grown pods, usually two seeds to each. Uh, Slit sw- lentils are known as dal. Uh, it could be eaten with rice uh, or rotis, uh, it's a dietary staple uh, in India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Nepal. And uh, as a food crop, it's, uh, production comes from Canada, India, and Australia. Uh, they're the oldest known pulse crop uh, around, uh, one of the earliest uh, crops domesticated and, and uh, found in carbonized remains uh, dating to 11,000 BCE. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, there's, you could, we could read about it all day long, but, uh, oh, the lentil production in 2016, uh, Canada, three, over 3 million tons, uh, India, 1 million tons, Turkey, 365,000, United States, 255,000, and Nepal, 253,000. Uh, so Canada, man, you're, holy cow, you're, no wonder they were talking about lentils up there. That's interesting. I wonder if they... Really, that he's growing lentils, uh, and they like a, f- a firm, smooth seabed. Who doesn't? Uh, seed bed and a seabed. Yeah, that's a little bit about lentils. Uh, here's a website that comes up a lot, and I, I just wanted to share it uh, if you're listening here. When I do random searches for stuff about a good place and I can't find research, uh, this website comes up. It's ggia.berkeley.edu. 
I think I shared an article about it before, but uh, Greater Good in Action, Science-Based Practices for a Meaningful Life. And they have like a lot of great stuff on here. I'll link to it, but ggia.berkeley.edu, Greater Good in Action. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I think it could help uh, to have like, depending on whatever you're going with, uh, it's a science-based too. So uh, we've got a couple more things to get through here. Uh, stonewashing uh, is a textile manufacturing process designed to give man- new cloth a uh, worn-out appearance. Uh, it also helps increase, this, increase the softness and flexibility of stiff, rigid fabrics like canvas and denim. Uh, the process uses large stones to roughen up the fabric being processed. Uh, they're based, placed in large industrial clothes washers with large stones. And they get tumbled with them. I never, like, I always wondered what it meant. Uh, uh, Levi Strauss uh, claims to have invented uh, stone washing. Great Western Garment Company, that was acquired by Levi's, uh, says they invented it. In the 50s, Claude Blank, Blankiet uh, says they invented it. Uh, it. Jeans Company Edwins claims to have invented it. Uh, so many, a lot of companies claim in uh, stone washing. Uh, it creates a faded, worn appearance uh, affiliated with Western-style soft acid-washed denim is uh, washed with pumice stones and chlorine. That was popular in the 60s, uh, in the 80s, I think. Uh, I remember that. Uh, mainstream popularity. Oh, this is still talking about acid-washed jeans. I, I thought we were talking about... Uh, uh, stone washed, I guess that's uh, pebble washed would be acid washed. Uh, not to quibble was, you know. Okay, what about walking uh, from Edmonton to Calgary? I think that's where Doug Forsett was going to walk. Uh, of course, I wanted to look that up. Uh, it looks like it's, uh, it would take straight 62 hours, and Doug's a slow walker, so. Or 64 hours. Uh, this is in Canada, so we're doing kil- kil- kilometers. Uh, and it would be, uh, like, so three days, uh, not, I guess it would be nonstop walking, 24, 48, yeah. Um, 12, 24, yeah, it would take about six days because you couldn't walk more than 12 hours a day, you silly gooses. Uh, I forgot how long Doug said it was going to take. There's two main routes uh, that come up on the map. Uh, and, you know, Calgary's, if you're leaving from Calgary, you got Banff, uh, right, or the thing, thing. I know some people that used to live up here. So you go through Red Deer. I know some people that lived there. And then eventually you'll end up in Edmonton. Let's see the name. You take 814-2A most of the way is one route. Uh, though you could take uh, 791, which looks like a little bit more, less busy. As an alternative, it looks like you could also take two. Maybe you just can't walk on two. I don't know. Um, but either way, it's a very it's a straight shot. Um, as I mean, as the crow flies, but even the roads, uh, it's a fairly straight shot. Um, because of my internet stuff, I'm looking at the map version, but I'm sure it's very very scenic, and uh, you know, it's something you could do. Uh, probably don't want to do it in the winter. Yeah, what we could do is, like, take a train from Vancouver to Calgary, then walk to uh, Edmonton or, you know, fly into Edmonton, walk to Calgary. And you could say, you know, what about Saskatoon or Regina? I've met a couple um, podcasters from there. Uh, So there's a lot of possibilities, uh, but it, it is walkable, but a long walk. But I think everything is walkable. Then the other thing Doug Forsett was into was snail charities. So I just had to Google, is there any snail charities? And what came up actually was uh, from Brighton on the Brighton on the inside dot co dot uk. So from Brighton in the UK, uh, this community article. I don't think I don't see an author. Uh, the streets are teeming with snails as snail space gets started. And no, it's not some sign uh, that something's going on. It's a brilliant, uh, it's Martlet's Hospice's uh, uh, brilliant, and art, art, brilliant art and fundraising project, Snail Space. Uh, it's a giant snails. Uh, Mal, it's the local charity that cares for and supports people. 
is teamed up with Wild and Art. What a wonderful project uh, with a wonderful uh, uh, caretaking um, mission. They did Snow Dogs in 2016, and they wanted a mass participation sculpture trail that was fun for everyone while raising funds. And uh, whatever year this article's from, maybe it's this year. I don't know. I don't see a a time on it. Uh, It wasn't until the 18th of November uh, you would find all sorts of sizes of snails around Brighton and Hove. Uh, uh, 50 giant snails decorated by well-known artists and residents. Uh, uh, David Shrigley, Art and Believe, uh, Cassette Lord. Uh, Snail Space website has all the stories behind the art. There's 57 junior snails decorated by children. And each snail is totally different. And they recommend uh, use the Snail Space uh, routes to find them. And please let me know if you've if you checked out the snail hashtag be more snail. That's one word. Be more snail. You know, include me on it. Uh, let me know about your snail walk. And it's just aligned with Doug Forsett. I mean, they're raising snails for people, a project helping people. But uh, you know, who says we can't do five? You know, that, you could, that eventually they can say, well, let's put five percent towards the snails. But it sounds like something uh, Chidi and Jason could get behind. It sounds fun. It sounds artistic, uh, wonderful. And uh, I want to say wonderfully uh, good night to you. Good night. All right. I want to thank everybody who took the time to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can do the same just in your uh, app on uh, your iOS or on your desktop on iTunes. I want to thank M. Uh, Fishy Poo, uh, who says, works like a charm. I honestly had no idea what this podcast about is about. That's how sco- good Scooter is at making me fall asleep. His vo- voice is monotone and smoo- smoothing. About, I make it about five to six minutes in. Discovered it through MFM. And uh, good old Georgia recommended that it puts her to sleep in seconds. A great listen if you're like me and you have a hard time getting asleep. Thanks, M. Shark. Uh, then Sunrise Hope says, disappointed. Uh, you don't like the language. Questionable episodes that end up not putting me to sleep. Uh, one star. Uh, then Paxton Laserbeam. I don't know if that's uh, Bill. Uh, amazing. It puts me to sleep every night and I wake up happy and ready to have a good day. Wow, that's, uh, new. that's nice. It really works. That's from Buried Treasure, like T-R-A-Y. Uh, I guess I've been putting me to sleep a couple of weeks now. Before long, I was one of those that needed a TV on. But wow, this works so much better. Never make it past 10 minutes like magic. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Then Morgan P. from the UK says, more more annoying than boring. Uh, love the concept, uh, uh, but uh, don't like the grading voice. Uh, never ending intro sponsors. Actually, we're lucky if we have one sponsor in intro. And uh, hope for a relatively swift transition to a story, i.e. the purpose of this podcast. Uh, We're slow to transition into the story. Just even the, I don't know if you actually heard the uh, recaps ever of uh, one of our serial stories. Those also take like five or six to eight minutes. So you're for sure overall not soothing nor boring to listen to. Simply irritating in more ways than one. It delightful, delightfully accurate for you, I guess. Uh, uh, cats, cats Zen. I don't know if that means cats in Zen, but they will say it works. Uh, just like Scooter said, it made no sense to me the first couple of times I listened. It was, maybe this uh, Morgan will hear this one and re. Uh, but I'm glad I did. I have a hard time falling asleep. Wake up several times a night. Uh, now I just queue up six or seven episodes, wake up uh, hearing the dulcet, creaky dulcet tones, and fall back asleep. Highly recommend. Uh, D White 07017. Perfect podcast. Uh, uh, don't know how, how, he do, how he does it, but I turn on the podcast, listen for a few minutes, and it's morning. Better than DRUGS's. Uh, Sobanski says uh, it's the best one, best podcast for sleep. Uh, uh, so good pod, so good a podcast, it puts me to sleep. It's from Fun with Owen. I used to not fall asleep until late at night and uh, but, uh, and say uh, how I fell asleep. But now your podcast makes you fall asleep every time. I like how you talk about nonsense. Uh, thank you. You make this a pond because Passport, because, I think they're doing it because in without it. 
I'd still be awake right now. Thank you, Scooter. Thank you, Fun with Owen. Uh, speaking of brain, bro- brain bots, here's Tombot 5000, one of the fa- most famous, uh, uh, so wonderfully boring. Amos loves so good since I <laughs> attended an introduction to soils class uh, in college. And yes, that was a real class attended by a robot named Tombot 5000. And finally, Sam says, beautiful surprise. I had no confidence this would work uh, since I usually need to sleep in silence. And never has found, nevertheless, nonetheless, I found myself uh, suddenly struggle to sleep in the middle of my pregnancy. And I was willing to try and so glad I did. First few tries, I too tried to make sense of it and therefore ended up laughing. Because I thought it was funny and I was shocked when I found myself waking in the morning and not remembering any transition. Worked like a charm. My baby's uh, almost two months old, and I stopped struggling getting to sleep. Uh, but now I listen because I enjoy it, and I sometimes miss scoots. Rested parents are happy parents. A uh, pleasant dose of nonsense. Give it a try. I'm pretty sure I never made it the story until uh, I put it on for background noise during bath time. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, everybody, for reviewing the show. Uh, you can do so, you know, in your apps. I think I said that uh Sleeping is a list directly supported by listeners. It exists as a free podcast because the listeners that support the show on Patreon and because of the ones that support the sponsors. Uh, that's what has this podcast free. So thank you for everybody doing that. Uh, Sleeping Me grows and find, finds new listeners. Number one way, word of mouth, in person or online. Uh, so thank you for using your power of uh, honest sharing to uh, help grow the show. Really, really thank you so much. You know, I feel so grateful when people share the show or share that they support the sponsors or support the show directly or share their story and their support with me. I really feel grateful and energized. So thank you so much for that. Also feel proud to work with uh, Night Vale Presents, a wonderful collection of shows you can find at nightvalepresents.com. And I also feel uh, doubly proud or proud once again uh, to be work with uh, PRX, you can see everything they're doing at prx.org. If you're in uh, the Boston area, you can check out the PRX uh, podcast garage. Uh, and that's it. We queue up another show if you need it. I'm here. I'm here to help. Uh, let me let me puff that pillow there for you. Good night.